When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is my co-host, Smitty. You know, I thought we were going to be celebrating a double victory Monday from us boys at the Around the 412 because we haven't talked to you guys since the Bears game, but we only get half, like maybe. I mean, we celebrated Victory Tuesday last week, and we, we get... Tie Monday? Yeah, what do today? we call this? I, I have no idea. <laughs> we don't really get these often, so I have no idea how to handle this. I feel like between this game against the Steelers, or against Steelers, Steelers against the Lions, and also with the Pens, what's happening with them as of late, I feel like it's fitting that we're both wearing black right now. Yeah, it's like a funeral watching <laughs> Pittsburgh sports right now, at least professionally. Pitt's doing all right, at hey, least football-wise. Shout, shout out to Kenny Pickett and the boys. Yeah, yeah Kenny Pickett for just saying. Um, all right, so let's dive into the Steelers first and foremost. I, you mentioned, you know, we talked to you guys um, prior to that game against the Bears, so we really haven't touched on that at all. They do come out on top. Um, it took a Ben Roethlisberger 50th career game-winning drive to do so after the Bears had a really nice offensive second half. I guess you could say on the opposite side of that, the Steelers had a very poor defensive second half, which has been a trend. They're like sixth in defensive scoring in the first half. Meanwhile, it's 28th in the second half. That was going into today. We'll see how those numbers change um, around the league. Um, But, you know, the Steelers do come out on top. Chris Boswell, can't say enough about him. You know, that game and again in this game against Detroit yesterday, uh, he's their most consistent player. If you don't have trust in Chris Boswell, you don't trust anybody. Uh, really the only, the real big takeaway at this point, because you guys have heard people all over give their opinions on this game versus the bears. It's old news. Really the only thing to take away at this point, uh, is Chase Claypool's injury. That's going to knock him out for at least three games. One of those obviously being, uh, yesterday against the lions. So he's going to miss at least two more going on IR with that toe injury. Um, you know, what is this? I guess we'll start with this first segment um, in the rest of this first segment talking about what does this do for the offense? I mean, they elevated Steven Sims yesterday against the Lions, but he didn't have a role in this offense. <laughs> and, and you know, we're going to talk about like Big Ben not not being part of this offense for at least one game. Uh, but it was the Ray Ray McLeod show. <laughs> and, and is that really going to be the guy that we see take over these this offensive role? Sands uh, Chase Claypool? I, I mean, it seems that way, at least through one game, because. I would have thought that I know 
Chase Claypool and James Washington, they're not the same type of receiver, but they both have the speed to like take off the top like of the defense. So I thought maybe like that way James Washington could replace some production of Chase Claypool. Not that Chase Claypool was having a ton of production either way this season. However, with the loss of Juju Smith-Suster as well, it makes the receiving room a lot more thin for the next yeah. few weeks. And so I would have expected that you would have seen a lot more of Deontay, but we always see a lot of Deontay. And then including, I'll include tight end Pat Fryermuth in that as well. Uh, he, he's His role is just keeps expanding as uh, the weeks go by. And then I would have said James Washington, especially with his old buddy Mason Rudolph having to make the start against the Detroit Lions. But it ends up being Ray Ray McLeod having nine yeah. catches. I mean, yeah, like, what, what are we James- doing here if, Washington caught that early touchdown, but that was kind of it. You know, you didn't see much from him other than that touchdown reception as the game went on. Um, yeah, you like you said, it was kind of the Ray Ray McLeod show. We'll see if that was just for one game. What was really interesting about this, and uh, the last point that I really want to talk about before we come back, we're going to take a break. We're still going to be talking about Steelers on the other side of that, by the way. Uh, but is even with Mason Rudolph in there, it, it, they talked about it post game. They really didn't change the game plan, which is something that we talked about before the season was like, it was nice to know that Matt Canada had a different game plan, regardless of who the quarterback was going to be. That that didn't happen though. And, and they openly admitted that they said, really the only thing that happened with the quarterback room today with Ben being out with COVID was they elevated Dwayne Haskins because he's actually th- active. Do you think that that could be the case of maybe, at least maybe type of play wise, not necessarily skill wise, because I don't want to say Ben and Mason are close in skill, although maybe with Ben's age and everything, they might be closer than originally thought. But do we think that maybe that was just a case for Josh Dobbs and Dwayne Haskins, like those two being different types of quarterbacks than Mason Rudolph and Ben Roethlisberger? It was, that that was more so directed in their direction. Like I know they had ten different plays for each quarterback, but I feel like Mason and Ben's plays would have been pretty similar just because they're both big pro style type quarterbacks. I don't think it would be that different. They are, but. Like the thing with me is, and shout out to Nick Farabaugh because I had like, he, he tweeted this and it was probably the best summarized thing that I could say about like when you talk about Ben versus Mason, Mason like thrives off of play action, which is obviously not something that Ben is, is very comfortable with doing clearly. I mean, we're seeing him do a little bit more of it this year, but that has not been the case in the past where Ben is more of just like a rhythm pocket passer. Um, Mason likes working with play action and it, it's just odd to see how parallel we saw the game plan be today for Mason. Um, and, and I was like, I mean, I don't want to like just take everything off of Mason's shoulders and say, he's not to blame for this. I almost said lost there, but this tie against the lions, <laughs> but they didn't really put him in a position to succeed. There's no reason he should have been throwing the ball 50 times. Like that's not his decision there. Yeah, no, it's it's not. They they should have just relied on Najee a little bit more. I mean, I know he ran the ball like t- t- mid twenty something times. Yeah, but they got away from it very early, though. I mean, and I will have I have another gripe with Matt Canada's the way he was calling the plays down around yeah. the goal line. Oh. I, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I forget which game it was, but why are you doing three passing plays when you're inside the five yard line when you have your first round pick Najee Harris? Who, who's a great running back, he gets you down the field. Why do you go away from the run when you're inside the five-yard line and try to throw it three times? I do not understand that whatsoever. Well, that's that's a good point, too, because 
even the guys that you're that are getting looks down there. I understand, you know, maybe it would have been Chase Claypool if he was out there. But like Deontay Johnson, you know that I'm the biggest Deontay Johnson fan in the world. But why is he, why are we throwing jump balls to Deontay Johnson, like back shoulder fades to Deontay Johnson? Dude's why like is 5'10". Ray Ray McLeod? Yeah, why is Ray Ray McLeod being targeted down there? Like, wh- where's Pat Fryermuth? I mean, I, I I'm not his biggest fan in the world, but where's Eric Ebron? I mean, we saw him do some decent work in the red zone last year, and he had a rushing touchdown against the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's yeah, from a game plan standpoint, uh, I gave Matt Canada a ton of credit a couple of weeks ago. I think it was against the Browns, even though we only put up 15 points. I thought he called a really good game. I, I thought he did not call a very good game. And again, I just feel like he put Mason in a pretty bad spot today. Um, it reverted to, take- to what we saw earlier this season. I feel yeah. like it with the, at least with the play calling and with Mason in there, it just it wasn't necessary. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not a, a Mason Rudolph guy. I don't think he's the answer. He is a backup. And, you know, with a backup quarterback, these are like the types of situations that they should do OK in, uh, you know, putting him in a spot where he's got to throw the ball 50 times. That's not that position. So we want to talk about this game a little bit more. We're going to talk about some injuries that popped up from this game and kind of just recap it. Um, how did we get to this point where we're tying at 16 with the Detroit Lions? We're going to talk about that when we come right back. This is around the four and the two on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and welcome back to Around the 412 on the DT Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. Continuing this conversation about the Steelers and Lions game uh, that ends in a draw, a tie, no winner, no loser. Does it get any worse than that? Um, A lot of injuries pop up in this game, and we got TJ Watt, obviously massive, Joe Hayden, Trey Turner, Kevin Dotson. I don't really know where to begin with this. I guess TJ Watt being the biggest one. Um, 
we're going to see what this what was revealed with this MRI. I've already seen like that. I don't know if you know on Twitter that pro football doc or whatever, like yeah, analyzes yeah. injuries based mm-hmm. on video. He said he, he's guaranteed TJ is going to miss some time. Um, you know, I, we'll see what the extent of this injury is. Obviously, the Steelers can't afford to lose him. We saw what the defense looked like uh, against Cincinnati in that second half against the Raiders when he was out. Um, but, you know, from a standpoint of depth, I would argue like Joe Hayden for the corners is is almost as important because of what else is behind him there. Because now you're talking about, man, we might see Akella Witherspoon actually get a helmet next weekend. Who knows? Yeah, uh, the, the we said it earlier in the season and we were talking about there's certain positions that they need to secure some depth because after the starters, there's not much behind them. And they literally had the two best players at those positions go out today. <laughs> In TJ Watt and Joe Hayden. So now the Steelers, they're going to be really testing their depth next week uh, whenever they go to L.A. to face the Chargers. And this is where, especially, I'm going to move away from the corners for a sec, but this is where I think Melvin Ingram is a selfish idiot. Because (laughs) all he had to do... I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but all he had to do was wait another two weeks. TJ Watt's hurt. You're going to be starting again. Bro, like, like I don't understand. I, I get he wanted the playing time. He's apparently getting it with the Chiefs. However, I, and also, I don't even think we brought it up to the show. Melvin Ingram's on the Chiefs now. Um, mm. It's just, I never, don't understand. Like we said, he must have had somebody in his ear saying that he should be getting more playing time whenever he was getting a quite a bit of playing time for a third edge rusher as it is. But now, whenever the depth is needed and he's not there, that just hurts the Steelers worse. And I'm not saying that's only Melvin Ingram's fault, but like it is his, his fault for wanting out. Like he, this would have been his time to play. He would have been alongside Alex Highsmith on the edge, who I got to say stepped up really big whenever TJ Watt went out. He he played yeah. really well down the stretch doing, going into this game. But what an idiot Melvin Ingram is. I, I I cannot stand thinking about that. Like he's just to me, it's just so selfish. And now he would have had the time to shine, but he doesn't. He's in he's in Kansas City and that defense well, thing, sucks as it is, too. The thing about what you're saying is is like we saw it happen already. Like we saw TJ miss time and and him how many snaps he played. Like we had already seen it before. Um, it is what it is. I, that's again, you know, similarly to like trying to talk about the Bears game. Like it, it's old news. It's a shame that he's not here anymore, but he's not here anymore. So now, you know, a guy like Taco Charlton, Derek Tuzaka, those guys are going to be, you know, they're going to play more and they're going to have to play mm-hmm. well. Alex Highsmith, who you mentioned, one of the silver linings from today. Uh, also a guy that I thought played really well, Terrell Edmonds. I don't know if you noticed this. TJ Hawkinson didn't have a catch today. And I, and I Edmonds is primarily. The cause for that also, you know, unlike pretty much everybody else, you can always count on him to, to wrap up. Um, so I, the defensive side of the ball, very, uh, again, you know, kind of just going along with the theme of the season. Why why was Detroit able to run on us? You know, over 200 yards rushing today for the Lions. And, and it didn't seem like there was really any adjustment there. Well, oddly enough, I was thinking that, uh, especially going into the, se- or the second quarter and then in the first part of the second half, I felt like the Lions could run at will. But then yeah. I think they cleaned it up a little bit down Definitely. the stretch going towards the end of the game. Um, and I, I feel like they really stepped up to keep it a tie, honestly. 
because because the offense was moving the ball, the defense had to step up because they they were just getting run all over. So I think I think they did improve as the game went on, but especially dur- during the middle part of the game, they they were just getting ran all over the field. But here here's the way that I'm like looking at this too. It's like they were selling out for the run too, and still not being able to stop it. Like Jared Goff had 40 yards passing in the fourth quarter. I mean, he, he had like 30 sometime in the third quarter, like total. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I they were literally just running the ball. They were running the ball on third and 10 and converting it. Like it really didn't make any sense the way that the Lions were playing offense. And the fact that it was it was working is really worrisome. But, you know, like you mentioned, I guess down the stretch when the Steelers needed to give up nothing, they gave up nothing. They kept the Lions out of field goal range. They did attempt that field goal in overtime that they missed barely. Um I, I don't know what They've to say about this They've got a few tackle though. for losses. This, oh. the, and the other thing, too, is they're just not creating turnovers. Can I talk about one player specifically? Yeah. In Devin Bush, he, to me, is not worth what we gave up to trade up for him, at least not right now. He's not playing up to it. I thought he had a terrible game. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he definitely had a terrible game, and, I, and I, he definitely hasn't lived up to the, the top 10 billing. Um, the, the problem is, though, with that trade, I, I feel like they, he was never going to live up to that. Or it was going to be very hard for him to live up, live up to that. Like he would have had to have been like a, a generational talent to really live up to trading up the way that the Steelers did to do it. It was just such a big need that they felt like they needed to. They kind of handcuffed themselves in that, oh, in that yeah. way. At the time, uh, I think it was the right move. However, yeah. just looking at it and like hindsight's twenty twenty still, but – I feel like you could have you could get similar linebacker production picking a linebacker at 20 in that year's draft or maybe even a second round linebacker. Like, I don't think that Devin Bush is necessarily giving you that like first round production, let alone a top 10 pick production. He's definitely not giving you that. Like, he's not he's not Devin White. I wish we would have had (laughs) I wish we'd have him, but he's in Tampa Bay. I, I just think that. It's it's completely different. It's not really fair to him. It's not his fault that he was put in that position. But at the same time, he needs to play better. Yeah, I mean, I think the injury definitely plays a role in that. And I think, too, that a lot of people just assumed because of his speed at the position that he would pick up um, like pass coverage. You know, and We thought we were getting Ryan Shazier 2.0. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he has the sideline to sideline speed, and we've seen him when used as a a blitzer. He has a couple sacks this year, which you know really wasn't a thing in previous years. Um, but yeah, if if you were looking for like a true three down linebacker, which when you trade into the top ten, you would hope that you're getting Devin Bush isn't that, and I don't know that he's ever going to be that. He's just he's an NFL linebacker. You know, I, I don't think that that makes him a bust. I see people calling him a bust. Like if he's a guy that's playing. You know, every day and as a starting linebacker, I don't think that he can be considered a bust, but he hasn't lived up to the billing of a top 10 player. Yeah, that's just like one of my many complaints about the defense so far this season is him. But mainly the the running attack for the defense or like the running game stopping for the defense. I don't understand why it's so bad, especially with the front seven that they have. I, I, it makes no sense to me watching the games why they can't stop the rum. It's like they're getting beat at the point of attack, like on the line of scrimmage. That that fr- that, that front unit should not be getting beat the way that they have been. I mean, yeah, but you you know, Devin Bush coming back to it, he's he's a big part of that. Like him and Schobert just have not been a good duo together. You know what what are they like separate? I don't know, but as a as a duo, it's just it's a it's been a weird fit. Um, 
for both of them. Who's more to blame? I, I don't know. Um, but you look at that defensive front, what's playing in front of them, and that's why it's so odd. Like I, I know that you know Bugs is not Alu Alu, and Chris Wormley's not Stefan Tuitt, but like Wormley run stopping has been his strength his entire career, and I know it's been in a different role than what he's playing in right now. And I know he actually, at least as of recently, I, I don't know about after this game or whatever, but he, he grades out pretty well as a run stopper. So, you know, where where do the issues lie along this defense with him not being able to stop the run? Uh, I just honestly, don't think – they just I, don't I, look I don't like know. they want to tackle at times. I mean, Seattle, and then again today, they don't look like they want to tackle. Yeah, I know that that's like that's a lazy take – but <laughs> well, no, it's true. You you watch and it's not just the Steelers. It happens all the time. I feel like people think that they hitting the guy is good enough, which is not, especially at the NFL level that you need. Yeah, to unless they're like up. right on the sideline. Yeah. Presley Harvin. Shout out to him. <sighs> yeah, seriously. Um, and then, OK, so real quick, I just flipped to the offensive side here. I, I don't really know that there's a whole lot to take away here. I still thought that like individually Najee ran the ball well it's again you know the, the offensive line took a step back last week against Chicago I don't think that they were that bad again today they were okay um and, and I know that there's a couple injuries Kevin Dotson and Trey Turner we'll see about those Dots was actually carted out so that's not a good sign they're both ankle injuries so we'll wait and see what happens there but I I don't think that they played at the level that it seemed like they were starting to trend upwards to the previous weeks before um that game against the Bears yeah, and I thought there were like glimpses in this game, especially in the beginning, um, and especially that first drive where they scored the touchdown with James Washington, that they were going to have a similar day moving forward, but that clearly was not the case. And the injuries are not going to help because, as you mentioned, J.C. Hassenhauer and Joe Haig came in to play guard. Uh, we ideally didn't want either of them playing at all. So, and the, the fact that they're coming in to play guard, so that that would leave the offensive line if they cannot go. Uh, Trey Turner and um, Kevin, Dodson. Kevin Dodson next week. Yeah, next week with uh, a lot of inexperienced and a lot of a big unit that has not played together at all. Like we talked about, how chemistry is so important with the offensive line. Those guys at those positions have not played to play together at all. Dan Moore Jr., J.C. Hasnauer, Kendrick Green, Joe Haig. And Chukwama Okor for what kind of offensive line is that? Um, yeah, how wild and, is it to actually feel better about the tackles than guards potentially? I, I know, and, <laughs> and especially with those two specific tackles, I don't even know when we're going to see Zach Banner again. Um, not he that was he's going to be today, a huge, at least. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I'm someone that wasn't active, and we haven't—I don't even think we really touched on. It. Like we've talked about Mason Rudolph starting, but Ben was in COVID protocol. So mm-hmm. did he officially test positive or? Yeah, yeah well, he's so vaccinated. Next- so close contact doesn't exist for people that are vaccinated. Yeah. So he definitely tested positive. He self-reported that he was feeling symptoms. So um, now he has so, you know, to good on him two for- negative tests. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we can't count on him to start against the Chargers next week. So I'm wondering if the offense is going to look any different or if the play calling is <laughs> going to look any different at least. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that that Ben's going to be able to go, but I guess the only thing that I'll say is Mason has been taking a lot of starter reps in practice even prior to this coming out. And if we know for sure, not for sure, but if they can prepare him like he's going to be the starter next week against L.A., 
you know, maybe we do see a more comfortable offense for him and we don't see him throw the ball 50 times. I mean, that, that just can't happen. I know I keep coming back to it. It's probably the fourth or fifth time I've said it on here. That that's, that's absurd to me that he threw 50 times. Was it glimpses of 2019 for you while you were in the stadium? Um, no, cause the defense wasn't as good. That's true. <laughs> that's and that's that's what I'm saying. I know I, I said I want to talk about offense, but I brought it up briefly. But you were kind of in the middle of making a point. I don't want to interrupt it too much. But the no, defense, fine. the defense is not creating turnovers the way that they had in 19 and 20, and that's a huge part of this too. Is like if you are not going to have like an above average offense, if your offense is like baseline at best, your defense better be pretty good. And the defense is is good. They're not a great unit. And they're not causing turnovers at the rate that they were. They were due for some regression based off 19. We saw them regress a little bit in 20. The drop-off has been ridiculous this year. Minka Fitzpatrick, by the way, had an interception stolen away from him today. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so I guess looking forward to next week, briefly, we're playing the Chargers. This is one of the games that early on in the schedule I was saying, like, if I'm going to circle like L's on the schedule, this would be a potential one, especially going to L.A., on Sunday night football. So mm. what do you think the game plan for the Steelers is going to be facing the Chargers? And what do you think of the Chargers as a team? Well, the Chargers lost again yesterday to the Vikings. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not necessarily the team that came right out of the gate. They don't look the same offense. I'm a believer in defense is, is pretty suspect to me. Um, I, I think, man, Austin Eckler could give this defense a lot of problems, though. Justin Herbert's going to give this defense a lot of problems, especially if there's no Joe Hayden, if there's no TJ Watt. Keenan Allen is going to break someone's ankles next week. Um, At least it won't I, be Vince Williams. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say on paper because, like, we don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Steelers. If it's Ben, I obviously feel a little bit better about it. Um I mean, it's it's in L.A., but it's really a home game for the Steelers when you think about the fans that are going to be there. True. Um, <clears throat> I can't find I can't find myself picking the Steelers though in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a little <laughs> bit uh, easier to predict once we know who's going to be the starting quarterback for next That's week's a, yeah. game. Well, um, we have the great pleasure of being the first show of the week and having to just talk about the game that just happened so true um so we're at a disadvantage yeah not knowing who the starting quarterback is going to be and how soon we've or how soon we found out the news about ben um it was like right before the game it wasn't like Mm -hmm. days prior so i feel like in that case i'm gonna just assume that mason will be the starting quarterback and with you i'm gonna take the charges in this one I feel like Austin Eckler, like you said, is going to have a day. I think that the thing that has really killed the Steelers, not just rushing, but a running back that is also good as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And Austin Eckler is the perfect back for that. And I I just think he's going to run all all over this defense. It's not going to help that uh, TJ Watt will probably be out for next week's game as well. So... Yeah, I'm not like I'm not impressed with the Chargers. I just think it's going to be a tough one. And I know it's like a a road game. That's kind of like a home game based off of that. uh, The fans, but I'm still going to pick the Chargers in this one score. I feel like it will still be like a a lower scoring game like the past few games have been, um, especially with the offense that we would currently have if Mason's the quarterback. Like I'll put a score of like uh, 20. 20 to 
13, something like that. Yeah, I was, was going to say 24-20. I'm actually, though, going to operate under the assumption that Ben does play. Okay. Because of him being vaccinated, I know he has to return two negative tests. Um, yeah, I mean, this isn't this doesn't look good on paper with the injuries that we just suffered in this game against the lions too. That's the thing. Like, is TJ going to play? Is Hayden going to play Dotson, Trey Turner? I mean, we have no idea what this team's really going to look like. Those are four starters for this team. So at least we have Ray Ray McLeod that let's think yeah. positively. He's going to get peppered with like 10 targets again. Ray Ray yeah. Um, that's enough Steelers talk, I think, for the week. When we come back, we're going to wrap up talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their weekly recap. Because that'll be so much better. Yeah, we're going to have a lot more fun talking about that. Uh, but we'll be right back. This is Smitty and Tyler. This is Around the 412 on the DJ Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Alrighty, and welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Smitty and Tyler coming at you. We're talking about some pens now to wrap up the show. <sighs> doesn't get any better than this. No, it, it truly doesn't. Week. It truly doesn't get any better than going from what we just saw with the Steelers and talked about with the Steelers to the Pens last week. Um, hey, they did win in a shootout against the Panthers, and I felt like kind of, I don't want to say exercise their demons. It was one game, but for Tristan Jari to stop three out of four shots, that was obviously nice to see um, against a really good Florida team, including stopping Barkov, who's automatic pretty much in shootouts. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be a little bit of a confidence booster. Uh, the game didn't end when he thought it did though. I don't know if you heard about this, but he celebrated after Carter scored, thinking that was the end of it, like skated to the bench and did a celebration. And then he had to go stop another shot and then did the exact same thing over again. Um, But they also, this past week, shootout loss to Chicago, a six to three loss in Ottawa on Saturday against pretty much an AHL team with, with Ottawa missing 12 players, I believe currently on the COVID list. Um, and then a six to one loss against Washington on Sunday. Um, I mean, where do we start with this? The first thing I want to say, first and foremost, just getting back to like the goaltending situation, because I just brought up Jari in the shootout and him, how bad he's been, but pretty good overall. Besides that, uh, I didn't know coming into the season 
what to expect from Casey to Smith because, you know, DK had been telling me, like, this guy just has not looked very good in training camp, didn't look good in the preseason. Really since that injury, this, these are the first hockey games he's played since that injury that ended his season last year. He's stunk. He's been horrible. He has been horrible. And I've talked a lot about how I really like Casey to Smith. And I thought he was a very solid backup goaltender, one of the better ones in the league. And he is just proving me wrong every single time he steps on the ice. Uh, have we won a game with him as a starting goaltender no. yet? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. And, and what sucks is that this week, the game that I would have said is probably the least likely one that we were going to win is the one that we won and in the mm-hmm. shootout as well. And it was also the only game that I did not get to watch because I was at the Utah Jazz game. So that sucks for me. I got to watch the three other losses and not they weren't just losses. They were embarrassing losses. And I, I think that especially the ones later in this week, the Ottawa game losing six to three to, like you said, an AHL roster that is completely unacceptable from the Penguins. I understand that they were missing guys from COVID, but not real. Like the only one that they were missing in that game was Sidney Crosby, who played the following night against the Capitals to another embarrassing loss, six to one. I mean, we're only missing Evgeny Malkin at this point. We haven't had any other guys test positive. We haven't had any guys get injured. I don't know what to expect from this team now because I was thinking, okay, beginning of the season, they are. Looking solid, especially from the guys that they're missing. They were buying into Sullivan's system, and they were playing well. A couple weeks go by, they start to lose a few more players to injury and to COVID and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I mean, they're still playing okay. I will give them the benefit of the doubt because they're missing all these guys. Now these guys are coming back, especially in the Capitals game. All of them were back, minus of getting Malkin, who we knew were going to be out. And they looked like crap. And I know it's early in the season and it's just a few games and it's a bad stretch, but it's concerning that it's been a couple weeks of this and they were missing a couple guys for COVID, but it's just been consistent. And for three out of the four games this week, it was consistently terrible play. I mean, they let up multiple goals and back to back. They left six goals in back to back games. That's not good. Mm -hmm. And I know that part of that was on Casey to Smith in the first night. And I guess you could blame a couple on Tristan Jari, but like, Honestly, the team was playing terrible in front of him. So how much can you really blame on him against the Capitals on Sunday night? It's just a poor effort all around by the team. That's what I'll say. Like the effort was not there like you saw in the beginning of the season. Well, I'll tell you who's been really bad, not just in this game against the Caps, but really this season. Um, And you mentioned with Crosby being out with COVID, the guy that went out with him, Brian Dumoulin, and missed the same amount of time. He's been horrible, too. I mean, he had a turnover tonight that directly led to a goal. Um, I, I think it was the Daniel Sprong one. Yeah. Um, but just really bad. And and uh, the, the, what I'm getting at, though, what I want to circle back to is your point with like the guys coming back now, which is absolutely true. But I, I think that we need to keep in mind, though, that these guys literally like they were on their own skating in Pittsburgh and then just joined the team in Washington. Like these guys collectively really haven't practiced that much together. So I don't know whether it's going to get better. I don't think it can get worse. We'll see if it gets better, but I, I'm willing to give it a little bit of time to see if that is the case. They were also without their head coach for over a week as well. Um, I, my biggest concern, as it has been from the start of the season, is what are we getting in net in terms of that level of play? With the way that Tristan Jari's played for most of the year, 
I feel pretty good about that. But if Casey Smith continues to play like he has behind Jari, they're going to need to make a move for a goaltender regardless. And we not might the see Louis Deming. Yeah, could be. I, I, I just think that and I understand like they haven't practiced together a lot and they haven't had Mike Sullivan. So maybe that affects it. The, the game Todd versus Re- Ottawa was no excuse, though. The, the, yeah, the Todd Reard, <laughs> the Todd Reardon era has not been uh, pleasant, to <laughs> say the least. However, I, I just feel like the, the guys that they're bringing back and I know he's had a terrible season, but like Brian Dumlin, that's a seasoned guy. And we know he's going to be playing with Chris Letang. Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby. I don't really think they need to practice together with their teams for those two, like those two specifically to really blend together. If it was like other players, especially the new guys, that's more understandable. But for like players like that to come back and you have a back-to-back games that look the way they did, I just think that's pathetic. And Brian Dumlin, it reminds me of a question that we were asked earlier this summer when we were having a hockey show. And it was actually Danny, I'm pretty sure, that asked us, is do we think that Brian Dumlin is a top-pairing defenseman still? And Mm -hmm. I remember my answer was no, but he is on the Penguins. If he was on another team that had a good top pairing, he would not be a top pairing defenseman, but he is on the Penguins just because on that left side, they did not have a player that could play with Chris Letang like he does. And Chris Letang is not going to move from that top pairing. So that is why he's the top pairing defenseman. And that's the only reason why at this point, because if Chris Letang is not the top pairing, there are a couple guys on that left side that are better than him. I would put Marcus Pedersen over over Brian Dumoulin. I would put POJ over Brian Dumoulin. I would not mind giving him a chance like that. But Brian Dumoulin has been so bad. And I, I don't know if it goes back from his injury even before last season. And I, I know he played a little bit better when he came back last season. However, overall, the past season and a half or two and a half or like, what, how am I rating this? All of last season, the little bit we've got this season and then part of the season before that, he has not been the same defender that he has been for most of his tenure in Pittsburgh. Yeah, those COVID shortened seasons are messing with how long you want to say the duration is. But yeah, ever since uh, the ankle injury, he hasn't really been the same player. But what I thought you were going to say is uh, no, but he is on the Penguins. I thought you were going to say no, but he is because of playing with Chris Letang, which I guess but that's, is pretty much the same answer. Yeah, that's basically what he is on the Penguins only because he plays with Chris Letang. Like that's their pairing. If Chris yeah. Tank could like would or could play with anybody else, I mean, I'm sure he could. But if, if they were willing to split that up, I think that Brian Dumlin is not a top pairing defenseman anymore. And, and it, it, it sucks. Like it's not like I dislike him. I just think that he's not the same player. Yeah. Hard to disagree with the results that we're seeing, at least right now. Maybe he can get back on track, and that would obviously go a long way in helping the Penguins get back on track. This week, they got the Sabres, Canadians, and Leafs, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, Real quick, I mean, I want to get people's thoughts on this player. So in the comments, let us know. Uh, On Twitter, you can let us know. Whatever, however you want to let us know. Evan Rodriguez, though, one guy that has been pretty consistent for this team from the start of the season to now. Regardless of what role he's playing in now with with Crosby coming back today, we saw him get you know pushed down to the third line. Actually, I think he was playing wing tonight, right? Mm-hmm. So it, a, a different role for him. Um, and I wasn't I didn't really notice him tonight, but it, it just goes to show that this guy is a Swiss Army knife for Mike Sullivan. Really likes the player. What do you guys think about Evan Rodriguez's season so far? Obviously, I'm asking you too, but I want to know what the comments think as well. What are your thoughts on Evan Rodriguez though? 
I think he's been great. Um, we talked about uh, like earlier this season when that, when he he was going to be possibly the two C to start the season. Like, what kind mm-hmm. of player were we going to get? And he's been very consistent so far this season. He hasn't been like an all star level, but he's been good enough where like I don't really have anything to complain about him. I think he's his production has been pretty good so far this season. Over in over he's the got stretch, eleven of, points in fourteen games now. Yeah, yeah, and over the stretch over the last two weeks where we've been losing a lot of games. He's a player that I think has still been performing well individually. So, yeah, no complaints from me from Ever Rodriguez. I wouldn't mind if he was still in that that top six role, even if it was as, as a winger um, for the time being, while Evgeny Malkin is still going to be out for, their, for time. But it, it's like you already have Brian – or you have Brian Rust and Jake Gensel and Sid on that top line. But, like, that second line – you have Jeff Carter, and then you've got Kapanen and Zucker, but it's not like those two have been lighting it up recently. So if you want to give Evan Rodriguez a shot on that second line, I wouldn't mind sending one of those guys down to the third line, fourth line, whatever you want to do, and then and seeing what he can do with a guy like Jeff Carter at center. Yeah. Um, so where I want to leave this, too, I just want to bring up one thing because we it's it's not something that typically happens with the Pens. They like to stay consistent with that one line. I know, insert Brock McGinn exit Brandon Tanev, but we saw Zach Aston Reese taken off that line and Danton Heinen added to it, maybe to add a little bit of more offensive punch to that line. It actually looked pretty good. Um, they did it for the Florida game. Todd Reardon mm-hmm. did it. And I started to think, I was like, man, is, does Todd Reardon just have the ability to do whatever he wants with that lineup or is that coming down from Sullivan or somebody else? Um, but, you know, we did we did see Zach Aston Reese taken off that line. The fourth line between him, O'Connor, and Boyle, they created some chances, but that's more of a defensive line. But it was nice to see Heinen jump up there and all of a sudden those guys be able to provide a little bit more offense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the acting head coach is exactly that. He is the acting head coach. I feel like he's not going to take orders from Mike Sullivan while Mike Sullivan is out with COVID. I feel like he has the ability to make any lineup changes that he wants and sees fit. And that one is one that I don't mind. I, I honestly prefer Denton Heinen playing in a more elevated role than burying him on the fourth line, but that's, that's just me. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're in the same boat as along with that. Um, but I just want to talk about this week. You have the Sabres, Canadians and Maple Leafs. If you lose to the Sabres and the Canadians, I'll excuse the Maple <laughs> Leafs. It's in Toronto. They're a solid team, especially offensively. If you lose to the Sabres, and the Canadians, after the week that you've already put up Penguins, you are absolutely pathetic. You, you have no more excuses. Mike Sullivan should be coming back sometime this week, and you have all your players back from COVID slash injury. You have no more excuses. Time to put some good performances together because they need it. Put up or shut up. Hey, I found out today, I saw our boy Danny was at the uh, the tailgate actually before the yeah, Steeler game. Yeah, saw that. So he mentioned that he he actually did write that Jari article. I was like, is this just weird timing or what? But he did write that Jari article uh, due to us asking him to on the show. So just know, whenever we need something done by Danny, just mention it on the show, and he's he's watching or listening to it, and we'll get it done. Yep, and, and coincidentally enough, when the next night he wins in the shootout after he writes the sh- the, right. the article talking about That's, how uh, he's bad in the shootout. Danny finally woke up and was able to write that article. But um, no, shout out to Danny doing great work over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, doing his weekly drive to the net and some other stuff as well. Um, so yeah, check out Danny's work over there, along with everybody's work over there. Great staff, great podcast. Check it all out, and you can find all the content that you need when it comes to Pittsburgh Sports right here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. So like it, 
uh, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you know when a new video is posted. That includes all the videos for these podcasts, DK's daily shots. Uh, you'll see media interview snippets, I, all that good stuff. Steelers today, which was great uh, following this tie at Heinz Field to the Lions. So you want to check that one out as well if you haven't already. Um, but shout out to you guys. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Around the 412. Ooh, rocking around the 412, obviously rocking and rolling. Uh, I got some of the prizes in today. You've seen them listed. Um, I added two Steelers tickets for Steelers Browns in January. I hope that's still a meaningful game, uh, but we shall see. Either way, it very well could be Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field. So you won't want to miss the opportunity to get in on that. So donate if you can. At least share the link to GoFundMe. Um, it's our pinned tweet on Twitter. All the information's right there. We're getting into crunch else? time. We are about uh, about a month away until I can. Um, until I probably want to cut off donations to make sure I have time to to go and get the gifts and stuff. I don't have uh, the same amount of help this year now with you in Utah. So, you know, my mom is right across the river. Help you. <laughs> and our friend Sarge is in New Brighton. So, yep. <laughs> but uh, anyway, guys, thank you again for watching or listening to this episode of Round the 412. Like I said, hit us in the comments. Let us know what you guys think about Evan Rodriguez's season so far, as well as any other comments you might have on the show. Questions, comments, concerns, whatever it might be. Get at us on Twitter, at Around the 412. Get at all of us. Weiler Teeks, Zachary Smith 412. Do you have numbers after yours, actually? 33. 33. There it is. I knew it. it. Also, let me know, what do you think of ties in the NFL? I want to know if you guys think that there should be ties. Yeah, that's. I'm curious to see on that too. That probably should have been where we left off as far as the comment. Yeah. But let us know. Evan Rodriguez, what do you think about Evan Rodriguez's season so far? And how do you feel about ties in the NFL? Are you a fan of them? Are you not a fan of them? Were you like Najee Harrison, didn't even know that they existed before today? Let us know <laughs> in the comments. We will see you guys next time. It's been Smitty. It's been Tyler for Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network.